Good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30, and, of course, it's time for the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up, we have to welcome back into the studio Jeremy Francis from Cloud Hill. Morning, Jeremy. Good morning, Pam. Good morning, listeners. Well, what a change in weather. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, from about, what, uh, 36 hours ago, I think it was, and uh, winter stopped and uh, spring began. In fact, it's almost summer. It is. It's crazy. Yeah, so, uh, well, very good for the tulips. Yes. Uh, And Teslas will be very happy. They will be, because they were having to extend their um, their open days with no flowers. The first first few days, uh, there were very few flowers, but uh, I was checking with them yesterday, and uh, tulips were popping open in in all directions. Oh, and wonderful. Suddenly they were relaxed and cheerful and smiling. So Fantastic. Very good. Fantastic. And how's, uh, how's the gardens at Cloud Hill? How have they fared over this? Well, what a crazy winter. We've had so many frosts where I've been. Fairly steady old winter, yeah. yeah. So, no, we haven't had snow on the ground, but we've had it in the air about four times, I think, in right. the last, and all in the second half of winter. Yep. So it's been slow, but things happening now. The mm. uh, big arboreum rhododendrons all looking very bright, uh, lots of colour, and uh, the magnolias, uh, the denudata this year was just amazing. Wow. Mm, so it's been great. Yes, yeah, and <laughs> uh, of course some things need a good chill, don't they? Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Lots of grape hyacinths at the moment to... Yeah, it is interesting. It's normally, I tell people around about now the bluebells should be kicking off, but no bluebells yet. Okay. But the grape hyacinths are just amazing. Oh, so. wow. Well, you've still got that blue colour in the yeah, garden. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Good morning, Virginia Haywood. Good morning. Yes, I thought it was summer yesterday, a hot north wind. Where on earth did that come from? The last north wind I felt was freezing. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly it's just changed. <laughs> I think, oh, my God, I'll have to water. 
Well, that's the thing. Yep, the pots. Yes, the pots. Now yes. I'm beginning to remember why I don't have pots. <laughs> <laughs> Which you've suddenly collected over winter, oh, much to your horror. Yes, heaps of. My daughter refers to them as death row. Right. You know, she's, she's, she's going up to Seville today and she said, Mum, if I get there before you, do you want me to water death row? <laughs> yes, please, dear. <laughs> But at least she's tuned into the watering. Yes, not the weeding. No. No, she'll mow, but weed? Oh, mum. Yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. I can't blame her. (laughs) I actually think the weeding's quite good fun, except when it's out of hand and you're panicking. That's the thing. Particularly at the moment, because they're moving. The ground's still nice and moist. Yep. Which is, you know, I love moist ground. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I insist in living... Somewhere where for months and months the ground is just completely rock hard and I need a pickaxe if I'm going to do anything. <laughs> We're leaving our lyrebirds to do the weeding for most of the winter. Oh, how nice. And they, they did a fairly good job, except they were spraying soil all over the paths as well. But, uh, I, I, but you're quite right, I did notice a couple of patches of flickweed uh, getting going in the rear of the borders. Yes. And uh, it dried out enough for me to actually walk onto the borders uh, in the last day or so. And um, I was racing through and just picking out those flickweed which were about to flick their seed mm. and leaving the others uh, to come back for another day. I just didn't quite have enough time to do it properly. Mm. That's the thing, though. Um, I've had my ground has been so waterlogged that I haven't been game to walk on garden beds because I was terrified of compacting down the soil. And now all of a sudden, particularly with the wind, the wind dries it out very quickly, um, I can suddenly get in there, which yeah. means I've got to make up for lost time. <laughs> well, absolutely. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, you're absolutely right. I, we, we do not tread on the soil when it's wet. Yep. And it's been wet for, for what, three and a half months. I know. And so haven't touched it. Yeah. Uh, live birds are good. They, they sort of go through and pluck the soil and, and um, yeah, so yes, just well, would put it back in the same place would be good. But <laughs> now, last time I was up at Cloud Hill, you were cursing the live birds. Um, well, anyone popping in now will find that the theatre lawn has nets uh, over about a third of it, which we're reseeding. Mm. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're a mixed blessing. But, yes. Uh, but nice. All I can say is they're well better than the rabbits that I have got. <laughs> I have got so many baby rabbits. I, luckily, Sylvie has I've many friends with dogs. I've got little ones like this, yeah. kittens all over the mm. garden at the moment. Shocking. It's crazy. Shocking. Thousands of them. Yeah, they've really bred up. Oh. <laughs> yes, and the, the, the sad thing about the rabbits is that the best solution the rabbits dare I say, as foxes? I love my fox for yeah. exactly <laughs> that reason. We've got a family of foxes and believe me, they are sick and tired of a diet of rabbit only. Yeah. They want variety. Yeah, so um, well, it's one of those awful things, it is. isn't it? It and is. Nature is settling into a balance and, um, ah, well, No, I need, I need the fox. Mm, my cat yeah. kills them when they're young, which is better than him killing birds and he doesn't kill birds, so mm. that's quite good. But um, and Sylvie seems her she and her mob all seem to have dogs, so they, they chase don't sit, them. Yeah, they don't kill them, but they do chase them. They do make mm. them unhappy. I like an unhappy rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> so, but oh, this! I mean, I've just everything. My garden looks like I've got whole pots all over it because I'm cutting the base out of the pots and protecting. Yeah. The plants from the rabbits. Yes. And all my trees have to have wire around them because they sharpen their teeth on them and, and effectively ring bark them. 
Yeah, and it's true right across Australia too. When we were farming in WA, the, the, the rabbits and the foxes equation was still held good. And um, so it's important to have both in, in the right numbers. That's and right. if we occasionally some disease, well, myxomatosis or some yeah. new, new strain of virus would get into the rabbits and the rabbit population would drop to almost nothing. And, and then we'd see these very hungry foxes and we'd start to panic about our lambs. Yes. Well, so, I, chill, I chill a root out west and I remember this is a thousand years ago. And the old geezer on the property, I remember him saying to me, if you see a black rabbit, there's a thousand other ordinary ones. I have seen two black rabbits around my place <laughs> oh, recently. <dear. laughs> that would be right. Um, Not I've seen, happy. I've seen one myself, mm. yes, one black rabbit. Oh, yes. well, okay. that was his equation. And we used to go out at night where I was jillarooing. We used to go out at night and catch them by hand, spotlight them and catch them by hand, and, we'd get, and there was an empty chook run and we just put them all in there and honestly we would have hundreds after going out at night just all the young people who were working on the property off we'd go (laughs) Uh, yeah rabbit plague is something it was a rabbit plague it was a rabbit plague Mm -hmm. and i spent months crutching fly-blown sheep yeah, it was horrible. Yeah, it's all sounding awfully familiar. <laughs> Should we talk about that for a little while? This side of life. <laughs> On that note, I might get to some community announcements. I think because, um, as you'd expect, uh, now that uh, spring really has sprung, we've got a lot of uh, things taking place. First up, a reminder that uh, today is the second day of the Native Orchid Show. Uh, this is being held down at the Mount Waverley Community Centre, 47 Miller Crescent in Mount Waverley. Um, it's opening 9 o'clock this morning, running through until 4 o'clock uh, this afternoon. Melway's map reference there is 70D1, and of course it's opposite the Mount Waverley Railway Station, so easy to get to. Admission adults $5, concession of $3, and under 16s are free. Now there'll be sales. Um, There'll be uh, obviously plants to buy. There'll be uh, their photography and art. Uh, they'll be talking. There'll be experts there talking about all sorts of things. There's a whole series of talks happening today. Um, at ten thirty, there's a talk on effective orchid conservation, and uh, at twelve, there'll be another talk on cultivate, cultivating epiphytic um, orchids. So uh, that's today down at Mount Waverley Community Centre. Now, uh, also today, of course, uh, there's an open garden uh, for Open Gardens Victoria. This is Waruka. I mentioned it last weekend. And uh, this is uh, a garden of um, a plantsman. So, uh, and it uh, shows where how a pl- plant collection of a passionate plantsman blends into the bushland setting of the Dandenongs. Now, the address is 17... Jubilee Road in Montrose. Do you know the garden at all, Jeremy? No, I was looking at it in the age yesterday and it looks very enticing. No, okay. I don't know it. Right. Um, well, it's open 10 o'clock this morning, running through till 4.30 this afternoon. Um, entry is $8. Children under 18 are free. Students are $5. There'll be refreshments available. There'll be sales of native plants and a range of unusual and uncommon bulbs. And the owner will give brief explanatory walks at 11 o'clock and 2 o'clock this afternoon. That address again is 17 Jubilee Road in Montrose. Now, uh, 
Coming up, Friends of Burnley Gardens are running another series of botanical art workshops. This is four sessions of two and a half hours each. The medium will be watercolour paint and or watercolour pencils, small class size. Now, um, these uh, workshops run on uh, 4th of October, the 11th of, of October, the 18th of October and the 25th of October. They're all Wednesdays. 10 o'clock through till 12.30pm and uh, total for the four sessions, if you're a member of the Friends Group, $200, non-member $240, parking of course, uh, you can park in the rear car park which is off the FR Smith Drive and uh, it'll take place in Quad 4. Now bookings are essential and uh, bookings must be made by next Friday, the 29th of September. So if you're interested in uh, being involved with that, um, you must uh, go ahead and book during this coming week. Uh, To book, you can phone Janine. Her number is 0412-097-068. Uh, so that's zero four one two zero nine seven zero six eight. Now, if anyone's down in the uh, sale area next weekend, um, Open Gardens Victoria have two gardens opening. Uh, they're within a ten-minute drive of each other. Uh, the first one is Vesta, which is at seventy-eight Montgomery Street in Sale. And the other one is Peter's Garden, which is at 19 Harpley Court in Longford. So opening next Saturday and Sunday, of course, the the usual applies, 10 a.m. through to 4.30, entry $8, children under 18 free and students $5. Now, uh, the uh, Australian Plant Society Keelor Plains Group have got their next meeting coming up on October the 6th at 8 o'clock. Uh, speaker is Rhys Freeman. He's uh, speaking on the topic of growing bush food plants, focusing on the most productive and easiest to grow native food plants. Now, Rhys has uh, extensive knowledge of bush foods and bush food plants and is a member of the PROM Country Bush Foods uh, Association. Now, the talk will take place at the Raleigh Road Activity Centre, 54 Raleigh Road in Maryborough, uh, now, the uh, plant sales commence at 7.45 and then the talk will start at 8 o'clock. If you'd like further information, you can phone the secretary, Anne. Her number is 9336 Of course, a reminder that coming up 7th and 8th of October, um, we have the big plant uh, garden lovers fair up at Bollebeck in Mount Macedon, 10 a.m. through to 4 p.m. both days. The address of Bollebeck is 370 Mount Macedon Road in Mount Macedon. Entry for the fair and the Bollebeck Garden is $10. Children under 15 are free. No admittance to the visitor car park until 9.30 both days and no dogs, please. Also that same weekend, uh, and Virginia, you might know about this one, the Open Gardens weekend um taking place at uh, Launching Place and Warburton. The Upper Yarra Valley Garden Club. Yes. Yes, I'm actually on the gate of one of the... Okay. On the Saturday morning. Okay. Now, the six gardens in all... Uh, it's usually... I, I don't know which gardens it is this year because I haven't paid proper attention, but I always love it. It is fantastic. Good. And, you know, they're, they're 
usually well there's a mix sometimes they're quite small gardens but there's always some big gardens included and Warburton and surrounds just have such passionate gardeners you get some really beautiful gardens it's a really good weekend okay well you can visit all six gardens for twenty dollars or it's five dollars per single garden there's, uh, it's discounted to $15 for groups of 10 or more and children under 16 are free. Um, now, I do have a list of the gardens, um, but they're all around the Warburton um, launching place area and they, it will be well signposted. So uh, You just drive down the Warburton Highway and it becomes obvious. Right. And usually you can go into any one of them as the first garden. Yep. When mine is part of it, I'm always the first ones at Seville. Okay. You know, they're usually further down the highway than me. Yep. Okay. Now, uh, if you'd like more information and to see a list of all the gardens, you can go to their website, which is all lowercase uppayarragardenclub.com. So uppayarragardenclub.com and you can get the full list of all the gardens that will be opening so that's uh, Saturday the 7th and Sunday the 8th of October, which is not that far away. Away, no. It certainly isn't. Um, I might leave some of these and come back to them because, as I said... Because there got... is something every single weekend in October. Oh, yes. It's absolutely jam-packed. And, and, and often there's several things on the same day, mm. so you've got to make a hard choice. Just, anyway. just, just out of curiosity, is Peter Sexton's garden included in the... Um, not this list? year. Oh. Not this year. Mm. My, I mean, but there's so many good gardens. Yeah, and there are a yeah. series of gardens that, um, you know... I mean, yeah. there's another woman called Karen who's got a garden down the end of the longest one-way, I mean, dead-end road. Her garden is absolutely fabulous, absolutely fabulous. When the first time I went there, I just went, oh, you know, there's just some wonderful gardens tucked it's a, it's around. It's an intriguing spot, that part of the world. Yes, it, it is. It's fabulous. Yeah, so I went to their, their garden club once and uh, that was quite impressive. It's, well, there's it's, always it's, it's so many people there. Club. Yeah, they yeah. regularly got 80 people at meetings. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's fabulous. Yes, it, it it ranks with Mount Macedon, I think, as one of the really active garden clubs. Yep. It's exciting. No, it's interesting with Peter. And, Fer- and Fernie Creek, of course. I was, I was chatting with Peter about three weeks ago and he was saying he hadn't had a time to look after his garden properly, but I happened to pop in about three days later and it was just amazing. His garden is beautiful. <laughs> and it was Absolutely a complete beautiful. collection of uh, Yamina Collector's Nursery. Mm. Uh, it's almost a complete catalogue of uh, everything that Don Tees has ever grown. Yes. and Along with um, lots of perennials, lots of other things. Yeah. Oh, just no, he's got a lovely garden. Mm, Absolutely yeah. lovely. No, it's a glorious part of the world and well worth driving there and Mm. That's part of the. It's, it's seeing the mountains in the background to all these gardens, which is part of the. Well, see, that's one of the things it. with my garden. People think my garden is absolutely fabulous, but of course, it's. You, I have got. You've got the, that borrowed view. <laughs> the borrowed view is just so superb uh. that people don't notice that there's all these weeds and things. <laughs> <laughs> Keep them distracted. <laughs> um, I will just repeat the uh, the address for that. Uh, that uh, meeting of the Australian Plant Society Keelor Plains Group, um, it is uh, 54 Raleigh Road, Maribyrnong. That's Maribyrnong. Uh, so 54 Raleigh Road in Maribyrnong for that one. Okay, um, Virginia. Yesterday, I – oh, sorry, I interrupted you. Do you want That's to call right. for – No, no, it's okay. Go. I went to the Angair 
um, wildflower. That's down at Anglesey. There's a wildflower group that are very serious about like protecting the orchids down there, for example. And they're having a weekend where they're having walks. They're having wildflower walks. They're having um, walks for orchid walks and fauna walks. And it's it was just fantastic. There's over a thousand orchids in that area. Mm. It's an amazing bit of bush. Mm. And I must have seen about 16 species yesterday. That one area was burnt last November, so all the orchids have come back up in that area. Right. And there's, you know, they're very serious collectors. They try and rescue orchids when, for example, there was one place in um, Anglesey where a woman bought the block for no other reason than just to save the orchids, but she has since died, and so now the block is getting sold. And, oh. they're, and they're trying to because because money can soon, they buy? No, it's already sold. But what oh. they've got to do is get because the orchids will not survive the builders. No, of course you they know, won't. Because they, some of them are so tiny. Yes, and you know they they rescued at one of the old people's homes there. They somebody luckily was visiting someone just as they were about to mulch a whole area, and it was full of orchids. They were just going to mulch over them. Oh. You, I mean, there's just so many there. Um, but the local group is very, very active in trying to save these things. Okay. And we went for a bush walk because, of course, there's a lot of bush around. And I have to say, the mosquitoes were nine <laughs> foot long <laughs> and in their tens of thousands. <laughs> God, I couldn't believe it. This is what I meant about summer. Yesterday was summer. We, we missed the spring bit. But the, the wildflowers were just absolutely wonderful. So anybody who's in that area, I suggest they go today. Just head to Anglesey and you'll see the signs. Okay. And it was just fabulous, just fabulous. Excellent. And also they had lots and lots of stuff for sale. And round Aries Inlet, there was just uh, the pomaderas is all in flower and it just looked beautiful. Just driving down the road, there's these pomaderas everywhere in flower. It was mm. so wonderful. Excellent. So go that way, everybody. Okay. Um, we will open the talkback lines if you'd like to join us this morning and ask a gardening question or um, share some news with us. We'd love to hear from you. That number is 94190155. That's 94190155. Jeremy, you've got very special happening coming up in October. Tell listeners all about Secret Gardens of the Dandenong Ranges. <laughs> Yes, well, uh, this is uh, Valerie's uh, well, a little committee which uh, my wife Valerie has been involved with for uh, well quite a while now. It kicked off way back just after two thousand and nine, uh, and picked up again after a, a, a year or two uh, in abeyance um, last year and, and uh, this year, and, and so it's a. Um, we have a program in the hills of a number of private gardens opening uh, to a, a coach trip. And so people gather at uh, Kawara, the native plant garden at uh, Kalarama, and um, uh, spend the day visiting gardens uh, or, or visiting gardeners in their gardens, if you like, and, and being shown around private gardens, the, the passion of people who've been working there for umpteen years. Um, 
three or four each time and, and mixed up with uh, one or two other things as well. For instance, dropping in on uh, Friday, uh, one of the Friday, if I can figure it out, I think it's the 21st of uh, October, uh, dropping into Roto Glen Nursery, one of the um, one of the more interesting nurseries in the Patch Valley and, and uh, walking around a nursery, which is not something which you, people generally have a chance to do, to visit a growing nursery. Which nursery is that? Uh, Roto Glen. Ah, yes. So Andrew Raper, who's uh, done a lot of work with various plants and especially camellias, very good mate of Bob Cherry. Okay. They're, they're actually, both of them have, uh, well, they're plant hunters. So they spent uh, uh, a few months on several occasions trekking tr- um, through the wilds of North Vietnam and South China, uh, collecting new species of camellia mm. and then working with them to, to see what they can do to breed tropical blood into uh, cool climate camellias. So, so that's just a, one little... Um, um, pleasure and amongst uh, lots of pleasures. Now, um, the tickets have been on sale for several weeks now and they are racing out the door and people have to be really quick because <laughs> there's not too many tickets left, in fact. Um, it, 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 I think on each day they, they have two little coaches, so there's only limited numbers each day. And... Um, and, and um, so, yes, if you're interested, look up um, Secret Gardens of the Dandenongs and, and go through the catalogue and see what seizes your imagination and give them a hoy, quick smart. Well, we should we should What's... spell it out a little bit more to listeners, um, Jeremy. There are five tours in all, um, one for each day. Now, they run... 12th, 13th, 14th, then the following uh, 20th and 21st. And each day's tour is different. It's going to different gardens. Sometimes a garden will be visited only once over the whole five days. Sometimes occasionally people can be lucky and they can catch up. If they couldn't make one day, they can catch up on that particular garden again. But many of them are only there once. Um, so uh, you really need to go online to see each tour and just what is what the itinerary of the tour is and then work out which one you want to go to. Uh, but absolutely wonderful. Now, as, uh, as Jeremy mentioned, you meet at Kawara um, Australian Plant Garden first thing. Um, I believe you get coffee and cake before you even depart. Oh, coffee and cake and then a, then a gourmet picnic lunch and then a canapace and a... And a glass of Sparkling wine at the end of the afternoon, courtesy of a very famous vineyard in the Yarra Valley. So it's it's the works, people. It's the absolute works. I mean, how hard is that to do? And then you sit on a bus, no driving, and you get taken to all these fabulous yeah. gardens and nurseries. And, I, mean, I mean, and it's really the, the idea, the principle of just meeting the people who have actually worked on these projects, uh, the gardeners, uh, is something which I'm, I'm not too sure that's been done anywhere in the world. Mm. And... Um, we were playing around with the idea quite a few years ago and it was working quite well. It was it, it just needed a lot of organising. Anyway, they're off there. Uh, this year has been highly successful in terms of ticket sales and that's why I'm warning people that if you're at all interested, do check on this quick smart. Well, Pam, you and I went, didn't we? We did. And it was we did wonderful. Go to one of the early ones. In fact, it might have been the first one you ran, I think, Jeremy. <laughs> I, must... <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> and, me, yes. and me doing the, the honours, most probably. Uh, uh, this year it's Eddie Wasbutsky. Right. Uh, he used to now Eddie a... has a lovely garden. Yeah, well, well that's right. And, and um, Eddie was at Cloud Health for many years, so we, we know Eddie extremely 
well. Yes. So he does the does it. Uh, the, he enjoys these occasions. Everyone enjoys Eddie, so it's all good. Yeah, <laughs> I love his garden. Yeah, and I, I just just glancing through some of the garden and. Um, um, there's the Wayne Keating Garden, which is uh, a garden no one's ever heard of, but it's actually a project that um, I uh, helped devise on a, a number of years back, and it sits right at the end of our ridge, just along from Cloud Hill, uh, facing off to the east. And um, um, the Keatings bought this property. Uh, they, they had to clear a. They had to clear what was meant to be a Christmas tree uh, 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 farm. Except they never got around cutting the pine trees and selling oh. them as Christmas trees. Oh, now it's a <laughs> so, forest. So, so instead they cut down this forest, which was loaded into shipping containers and sent off to China. So, why? Uh, this, because the trees were all up a. 150 feet high. That's why. And, and why why they went to China? I'm not too sure, but that but that, that that's what happened. But but what they did was to uh, reveal this extraordinary view down into the Patch Valley, and um, so it sits right at the top of the ridge uh, and looks down a thousand feet to the your, Patch Valley, your ridge. and then uh, yes, and then across to the Warburton Ranges. So it'd be like that view from from the Arboretum. Well, it's further to the east, and it's very, very sheltered. It's just an extraordinary place, and and, it, and it's still a new garden, so it's uh, it's a little bit of a work in progress. But all the same, it's a serious enterprise. It's it's about ten acres altogether. Wow! Yeah, goodness, and that, that's just one. That's yeah, the, um, I die on mine, and it's only three acres. <laughs> There's another garden at the Briars on Grand Tuller Road in Calista. Um, and uh, that's again a garden I know because we actually owned it for a little while back in 1992, 1993. Okay. And um, well, Grand Road's another one with fabulous. Well, there's views. a whole series of these um, gardens which they call the Dress Circle because they sit on the ridge, looking again down into the Patch Valley, but a different direction and across to Little Joe. And the view is just amazing at this place. It was rather sad to sell it, but we'd actually bought Cloud Hill in the meantime, and we <laughs> and of course yeah. had to. And the other side of Grand Teller Road looks out, yeah, into the forest. Oh, and also, I mean, some of them you can see the you can see the sea. That's yeah, further further along. But mm. at this point, yes, it, it's the uh, there's the mountain ash on one side, and and these lovely old properties which um, are all interconnected actually and the briars uh, that, that's my little connection with napoleon because the briars in the mornington peninsula was uh, uh, their weekender was the briars in uh, in uh, Callista, apparently. Oh, that's why. That's why the name. <laughs> yeah. Yes, right. Uh, they, they had it for a, that family had it for a little while, and of course, the Briars in the Morning Peninsula. It's famously that connection with uh, Napoleon at St Helena, and um, anyway. <laughs> but uh, we we had this place, and we we um, uh, cut two or three terraces into the um, onto one side of the house and set up the first of our herbaceous borders as the little experimental run for making Cloud Hill, I suppose. That's now owned by the Dwyers. Um, and there's a bit of a story there as well. <laughs> they thought they were just meeting friends for lunch at uh, a restaurant just along the road from Cloud Hill. And they saw this poster on the wall saying property for sale. <laughs> And they, um, they had a few minutes to spare and they were chatting away. And I said, oh, well, after lunch, pop around and have a look. <laughs> and um, John Dwyer um, 
gave me a ring a couple of days later and said, well, we're quite interested. And, and of course, John Dwyer, he, uh, he retired. He was um, um, uh, in the legal profession, a very senior person in the legal profession. And his wife, Joan, head of, uh, she was Equal Opportunities Commissioner and fairly interesting people, both of them. Um, John um, went off to Burnley as a retirement thing, and he published a book on weeds. Okay, just uh, oh, which was that launched. John yeah, that so book th- is amazing. Yeah, and th- th- which was launched just a couple of months back. Absolutely yep. wonderful book. Yes, I've, we've had him come and talk to the guides. Mm. Yeah, yes, so, and, so very interesting people, and <laughs> and quite controversial because he's he he's not. Um, He's not as hard line on weeds. He's much more practical right. yeah. about weeds. I mean, some weeds, you know, we just have to learn how to live with. Yes. Yeah, and it's, it's the same story as the foxes and rabbits. They're exactly. part of the ecology now. I mean, That's we right. We have to think in terms of uh, of the new balance of nature. Yes. Mm. Yeah. No, a fantastic book. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, to get to get back to um, these uh, day tours, uh, you do, as, as Jeremy has just said, uh, tickets have gone very fast. So if you're interested in going to one or more than one, if you, if you feel inspired, because <clears throat> as I say, they do cover different properties, um, you need to book online. Now, uh, the address is uh, a long address. It's all one word. Secret Gardens of the Dandenong Ranges, all one word, all in lowercase, .com.au. So you've just got to remember the Secret Gardens of the Dandenong Ranges, then you'll start getting there. With the the at the beginning? Uh, or does it start as secret or does it start? It's a were. But just no. No, does it start just secret? secret. Starts, starts with, with secret. an S, yes. So Secret Gardens of the Dandenong Ranges, .com. Dot au and grab yourself a ticket or two with go with a friend. We well, had we a had, great time. We did. We? Maybe we should think about doing it again. <laughs> we'll talk about this over coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I highly recommend it. Uh, it's it's fantastic, and I'm so pleased that uh, that Valerie and the rest of the committee took up the baton and they've they've run with it again because it's it's a wonderful wonderful opportunity to. Um, it's so much different to see a garden if, you, if you're seeing it through the eyes of the owner and you hear about when they first purchased it, what's been involved, what it was like when they purchased the property and um, it's some like, of the it, problems they've had like to tackle. It's like botanic gardens. It if is. You, if you take a tour with the botanic gardens, it's just you, it's so much more interesting than if you just do it on your Absolutely. own. Absolutely. And part of the secret is uh, you're travelling with a small group of people too. Yes. And there's no time wasted because you, you know, it's just – 25 or 24 people, I think it is, each time. And uh, so you're not uh, queuing. There's <laughs> uh, no time wasted. And 24 people, you can gather around and have a conversation with the owner. They're no fuss at all. Exactly. They, they work beautifully. And, and everyone's like-minded. Exactly. It's, I was yes. just going to say the same. You, yeah. you, you're guaranteed to be travelling with other people who are gardeners. Exactly. And so, that makes it fun. Yep, mm. Totally. Okay, uh, I will remind listeners, you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. Uh, we're here every Sunday morning from 7.30 till 9.15. If you'd like to join in the conversation or ask a gardening question this morning, do give us a call. That number is 94190155. That's 94190155. The other thing we should quickly mention, Jeremy, is, um, of course, the nursery up at uh, Cloud Hill is run by diggers and uh, it's school holidays at the moment and 
it's going to be a bit of mayhem by the sound of it up at Cloud Hill because they're actually having a find the pollinators treasure hunt. Yes, yes, <laughs> that was happening yesterday and, and lots of squealing and shouting and people dashing around. And, um, yes, yeah, so, um, so for, for families, it's a great chance to take your kids along and, and uh, there's, a, uh, there's a little competition to find these little... Um, Clues scattered around the garden uh, in the um, shape of, um, well, little images, really. <laughs> but, uh, but at the same time, it's a, it has a serious purpose to um, enable children to come to grips which, uh, with, well, what do bees do in a garden? Um, how do plants... Um, pollinate themselves. Uh, well, they don't. They, they How have, does a they flower have other... turn into a fruit? Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is uh, um, they, they need help. And um, in fact, I was down at um, Heronswood uh, just uh, what three weeks ago, I think it was, for the launch of the uh, uh, the gallery. Their, yeah, their new gallery, which is all about exactly this. Um, so the old, if people have, uh, had popped into Heronswood, say, three or four years back, they'd remember the uh, rather small nursery tucked in against the, uh, what was the kitchen, apparently, of the old the Heronswood kitchen, yes. house. Yeah, so the, it reminds me of station kitchens. You'd have the house and then the kitchen would be separate, uh, all that heat. Mm. <laughs> um, and that's the case down at Heronswood as well. Um, very interesting old wooden building. Anyway, the um, nursery has moved up the hill and it's now a much more substantial nursery with its own shop and um, that area has been turned into garden and the, uh, um, the old building has been rather pulled apart and restored, but restored in such an astonishing way. I was actually chatting with a carpenter uh, Matthew, who uh, did the job, and he's been working. He'd been working for months, and the roof had been pulled off and re-shingled. Uh, oh, the wow. uh, corrugated iron had been pulled away, and and wooden shingles put back. Um, all the timbers uh, from one section of the building had been just pulled apart and restored and put back together again, and it just looked immaculate. Mm. And as you walk into the nursery, you look down over this, and Valerie and I were just stunned. It was just glorious. Uh, and and very interesting young guy who did all this work who apparently uh, has been working on projects around the Yarra Valley uh, and has done a, quite a bit of work at Gulf Station. In, okay. Uh, Working on old buildings, restoring old buildings, doing exactly this. Mm, what a wonderful thing mm. to do! Yes, and, and the the building, of course, at Heronswood has been turned into a, a museum a display of of um, plants. Of what do plants get up to? How do they <laughs> reproduce? Uh, and so it's a very, very interesting exercise to go and have a stroll around. And that's part of the garden experience at Heronswood now. That sounds wonderful, doesn't it? And, of course, it gives you an opportunity to see the wonderful sculpture that was commissioned. Yep. Um, <laughs> absolutely beautiful. And the centrepiece of the sculpture is this massive arum. Um Yes, just a Titan. I'm desperately trying to the remember titan, the name of the sculptor, but uh, Titan Lily, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. but uh, just, just, just stunning, stunning piece. And uh, as as Jeremy said, it's the whole thing is talking about um, 
plants and how they reproduce. There's a there's a glass backlit glass wall showing all the different shapes of seeds, and uh, it's 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 just amazing experience. So this these um. This particular find, the pollinators for children, is taking place at all of the diggers' gardens yes. over the school holidays. So St. Earth as well. St. Earth as well, down at um, Heronswood and, of course, up at Cloud Hill. So um, if you want to go and visit a garden but you've got kids with you because it's school holidays, they will have loads of fun. You just simply, on entry, you will be given... Um, You'll be given, or the children will be given the map, or I yeah, presume it's little, a little, kiss little sort yeah, of clues. Yes, and, yeah. and off they go. You might, you might have trouble rounding them up at the end of the day, but <laughs> they're certainly going to be occupied. While we, you can have a more leisurely stroll around the garden, and of but, course, all those, all everybody's garden is going to suddenly really start going now. Now we've got oh, this bit of heat. Absolutely, yes. Okay, we're going to our first caller. We have Hannah online. Good morning, Hannah. Oh, good morning. I'm down here in Seaford, and I must check out the diggers' crib. I didn't know they'd done all that stuff. Um, what it is is this is the time of the year when bulbs come out, and I've got this strappy leaf bulb that comes up every year. I don't know what the name of it is. It's not what's on you. It has um, orange spiky flowers, but it doesn't flower year after year. I got so fed up last year that I tried to pull it up, but it's just up as much as ever. The flowers are non-existence. The foliage look a bit like... Agapanthus or Clivia, Clivia, sorry, I always mispronounce that. I say Clivia too. It is Clivia. It's named but... after Clive. Yes, yes exactly. Right. Well, Mrs. Clive, actually. I'm just looking at it now. I've got the luxuriant um, leaves and just one flower, an orange spike. It couldn't be one of the Mombrishas, could it? Oh, it could, so so when, when, when is the flower opening? It's, 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 it's opened about right now. a few days ago and there's only one. Um, at least I got one this year. So there must, there must be a deficiency in the soil. It's growing under a pin oak. The most, the, the obvious thing is to bury some bananas around it. Give it oh, some potassium. Of putting them in the worm farm. Yeah. Or, or just soak them in, in water and water with them. The other thing is if it's under a pin oak, it may be needing more, more sun, sun to flower. Yeah. Yes, Although mark, if it, mark it and, and then move very, it. Um, when it. When it becomes dormant, just move it. But to, she to just said she spot. tried to dig it out. She tried it was too to dig hard. it all up, but obviously it was unsuccessful. It's very durable. Um, it's up at, you know, absolute forest of it. The pin oak's on the way out, so it's not luxurious. Oh, okay. But also the pin oak is deciduous, so it's going to get the winter sun, which is what mm. it would oh, need. Oh, yeah, it gets heaps of sun. I mean, it, uh, would, could it, it be? It's more luxuriant than ever, actually. I'm just out in the garden now because we've just had a great big <laughs> hailstorm and it's just finished. You've oh, just had a hailstorm? Yeah, we have. This morning? Yeah, with great big wind, yeah. Oh, wow. after yesterday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here we are in the studio. When we came in, it was lovely. <laughs> yeah, it's good, glorious weather on that. There was a great big gust and force wind and lots and lots of rain. I've Gosh. Been. Okay. But I'm out here now. It's lovely after the rain, but cold. But, yeah, it's just all these leaves again. Could, could it be in the Mombrisha? Line, do you think? Because I mean, they are ex- yes, weedy. They are very hardy, yes, but they're, and they're they are very orange. Yeah, generally flowering a little bit later. Mine are in flower. No, okay. they just never come to flower. Um, if it, you know, if I thought it was going to flower later, I'd be happy. The the the, um, the leaves have been up for weeks now. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd suggest you take a photograph of it and email it to. Well, email it to one of the nurseries to, to or email one of the it diggers. Here. Yeah, email it here, and we can have a look. All right, 
I'll yes, because you've got the one flower, so we should be able to identify it. Who's on next week, Pam? Uh, Stephen. Stephen, will... Stephen is very happy yep. if you email it to Stephen. Okay, cool. I'll do that. <laughs> and then just ask him to talk about I mean, it on the radio. I a bulb that doesn't flower, I suppose, is my query. Well, I think give it potassium. Bananas. Okay, lovely. Well, thanks and the cheapest way to do that is, is banana skin. Thanks heaps. Thank you so much. Okay then. Bye. Bye. That number, if you'd like to join us this morning, we'd love to hear from you. 94190155. That's 94190155. Virginia, you've brought in some plants. Let's have a chat. Well, this this first one, which looks quite manky really, because it's one of those plants that doesn't look particularly good in a pot, particularly as it has got roots coming out of the bottom but I have it's called an areocephalus and it's a South African plant and I've got it in the garden already and it's so beautiful I decided to buy another one the only person I've ever seen selling this is Craig okay so people who are Gentiana Nursery yes Gentiana Nursery just along the road from Cloud Hill in Olinda and it is it's about knee high it's about couple of foot wide and it is just at the moment completely covered in white flowers so you notice it from quite a long way away and it's in that hardest bit of my garden right at the top of the hill facing north and west it's a south african plant it's got a very it looks like a cross between a rosemary and a lavender really it's got those gray leaves that shout at you i can take the sun or an artemisia or an artemisia yes Yes, Mm. it does look like an artemisia and it's it's just so pretty and for some reason, one never sees it around. Areocephalus, it's called the Cape Snowbush. It's all over the Finbos, apparently. Um, a South African always knows what it is. Okay. You know, if a South African person walks into my garden, they say, oh, look, you know, I haven't seen that for years. And I think, and it's, I think it's quite easy to propagate. I'm going to, instead of keep giving Craig money, I'm going to try and propagate it this year. <laughs> You could grow it simply for its foliage. It's uh, just superb. Yes, well, it, in the garden at the moment, it looks absolutely beautiful. It's in the it's in the Asteraceae. It's in the daisy family, and mm. it's just completely covered in white flowers. Yeah, silvery green mm. um, with a slight, uh, very soft look to it. Yes, and it, it feels soft too. It's qu- mm. it's. It's it looks quite, like it should feel spiky. Yes, it's from, yes, it's not. It feels very soft. It's, it looks as though it should be aromatic, but it's, it's, it, it it's is subtly. It, subtly. it is aromatic. It's felted. It's quite. That's what it feels like. Felted. Okay, that's the word. Felted. And <laughs> and in South Africa, it is medicinal. Really? Yes. Yes. I can't remember what for. I have read about it, but. Um, I wouldn't go ingesting it until you find out for sure. No, but it is. They use it quite extensively. I mean, one can look it up. It's also, I find, very insect-attracting, which I also like. Okay. Mm. So it's, I think it's a lovely thing. And, and Craig has it because I only bought that last week because I'm too impatient just to prop. My garden's so big, if, you know, I can't put prop things in for ages. They've got to get mm-hmm. big enough to survive the rabbits. If anyone's not been into Jenniana Nursery for a, for a little while, Craig is absolutely flat out at the moment. I drive past all the time, of course, because he is only half a minute down the road from us. 
and uh, he is busily landscaping uh, the entire nursery. He's doing really? all the, yeah, he's doing all the front to um, mm. to sort of stop flooding and to stop weeds. Okay. He's but, re, re but making it look very handsome at the same time. Yes, absolutely. With a, with a very fancy fence and gate and uh, oh. all sorts. Uh, he really, he really, I find it one of the most interesting nurseries because he's in that same antique perennial Stephen. Um, the Uminas, you know, he has unusual things. I find things at Craig's that I don't find anywhere else, mm. which I, what the hell's that, I'll say. And, know? of course, um, of course, uh, one of the garden tours is popping into his yeah, nursery. Absolutely, yes, yeah. he's part of the uh, collection. Yes. And his mm. garden is beautiful. Very good bonsai collection there. Brilliant, but I like the rest. I mean, he's got yeah. a real woodland garden, and at last I'm beginning to get some shade under trees. Oh, well, I must have been there 12 or 15 years now, and I'm actually getting some shade. That's what I've missed. Okay. And, and Craig's garden is such a woodland garden, I just lust after it. Yeah. He took it over from Lois Lucas, one of the famous Lucas family. Okay. <laughs> Lois. And, uh, and so she, um, uh, well, Craig inherited her collection and then built on that. And so... Um, People have been working there. Passionate gardeners have been working there for what twenty five years. So maybe uh, it might have been thirty years. It's okay. quite a while. Mm. All right, fantastic. I've just looked it up. It's one hundred and thirty eight Old Monbulk Road. And if anyone wants to talk to Craig, it's nine seven five one two one six three. He's closed on Tuesdays. Yeah. Yep. Okay, another plant, Virginia. Well, the other one, this is another one I got from Craig. This one is a ranunculus, except it's had its name changed, the poor thing. I don't know why they keep doing this. It used to be um, ranunculus ficaria, and now it's ficaria verna, but I will continue to call it a ranunculus because you can. it looks like a ranunculus. <laughs> Um, and it's it's a, a it's called brazen honey, uh, brazen hussy, and it's interesting because this was actually found by Christopher Lloyd in his wood. That's how it got into the nursery okay. trade. And it's I just like it because it's a woodland plant. It's got very um, almost a brown leaf and bright, bright, bright yellow flowers. So at this time of the year, it just in, in a corner, it just lifts lifts an area if, if you've got a you know quite a dark corner. I think it's a really attractive little plant. Brazen hussy, I don't like the name, <laughs> but you know who am I? Well, it is bright. It is very well. Yes, I suppose it is a very very bright yellow on these very dark leaves, mm. and the whole thing is sort of quite delicate, mm. but loud at the same time. And the leaves have got like a silvery marking. Yes, to them. Yes, they. They're, yes, they are. They're quite well marked, and so it makes them more interesting. So I do think it's a rather neat little plant. And um, it's pretty hardy as well. So I'm, I'm thinking that I've, I've got an incredibly loud camellia. The I don't know which one it is, but it's got a very the leaf has got a lot of veining in it. So I think it must be a reticulata, and the flower is nearly as big as two hands, and it's the brightest, brightest pinky red. It's so loud, and I just think I might put this underneath it because it'll clash. <laughs> Superbly. <laughs> That's what everyone else tries to avoid, Virginia. 
It's uh, quite appropriate uh, coming from Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. <laughs> yes, well, I thought that. I mean, that, yes, because you you see a lot of this around in Britain now. The the brazen hussy. So he obviously distributed it widely, widely before he died. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. You are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. We're running through until 9.15. If you'd like to jump on board and give us a call, that number is 94190155. We have Jeremy Francis from Cloud Hill and also Virginia Haywood, who's a guide at Royal Botanic Gardens Melbourne in the studio. So we'd love to hear from you, 94190155. Now, um this morning, um, I think, uh, of course, most of our regular listeners know um, A.B. Bishop. Uh, she's a regular on the program. Uh, A.B. has just um, left for a, a three-week whirlwind tour overseas, but before she left, she actually um, gave me three copies of the book that she and Angus Stewart um, have written called The Australian Native Garden. Now, uh, uh, this is um, a very special offer to our listeners. If you don't have a copy of this, this is the go-to book on Australian native gardens. Um, if there's anything you want to know about growing Australian natives, this book really covers it. Um, it's very, very practical. It's a it's a very solid hard cover, um, two twenty-eight pages in all. Uh, and um, it deals with what what I really like about it is that the very part one, um, which is entitled Into the Wild, actually showcases all the wilderness regions around Australia so that you understand the actual climatic and soil conditions that uh, different uh, plant families of Australian plants um, need so that you can then... uh, better um, decide what is going to be suitable for your garden and your particular um, climate. Uh, Now, then it goes into things like elements of design, uh, explaining the principles of layout and structure, different garden styles, fire considerations and bush foods, making a garden covers all the soil requirements, planting techniques, propagation and maintenance, Um, Garden Examples is where the book takes you to uh, many uh, wonderful Australian gardens um, showing how to integrate natives into a range of landscape styles and finally Native Plant Cultivars which is wonderful which features 150 Australian plant varieties each with um, a photograph to identify them. Now as I said uh, if you are at all interested in Australian native plants this is um, an f- absolutely fantastic um, book to have. Now, as a special uh, 3CR gardening show offer, and many thanks to AB for doing this for us, uh, with, with uh, Christmas coming up on the horizon, uh, normally uh, a copy of this book would retail for forty nine ninety nine. Um, we can offer it to you, our listeners, this morning. We only have three coffees, copies at $35. Now, that is a fantastic offer. You won't find that in the shop for that price. Um, so if uh, if any listener would like to grab one of these copies, as I say, we only have three, um, you can either collect it uh, here from the station during office hours between uh, normal office hours here at 21 Smith Street in Collingwood 
or um, you can uh, we can post it out to you for an extra ten dollars. So uh, also, you, I, it could be collected in the Yarra Valley from me. It could be collected in Olinda. It could be collected. Uh, Stephen could take Stephen it home. Stephen would happily ne- take some home oh, next week. Next weekend. But if you would like a copy. Um, First three people who ring, uh, obviously, will be the ones who will secure it. Uh, so if you'd like to give Liz a call now on 94190155, you'll be not only supporting uh, the 3CR Gardening Show and the station in general, this will be heading towards um, us raising our full tally for the Radiothon, uh, but you'll be gaining an absolutely fabulous book either for yourself or as a wonderful gift for a friend, so 94190155. The other thing I would say about the book is it's it's got the most beautiful photographs. The photography beautiful is stunning, isn't it? Yes, and it, really it has is. got some stunningly beautiful gardens. I mean, it is a book you – I leave it out and people just pick it up and flick through it because mm. it's just so good just to look at the photos. Mm. I've got it out actually on my – coffee table mm. just for anyone wandering past to uh it's yes, it open. it's beautiful it is and it's it's a really it it shows that growing native plants does not mean that you've got sort of a wild mess i mean it, there are some absolutely stunning gardens in that book and they're so ordered and manicured and beautiful and it also shows gardens where you can mix your Australian natives along with your ornamentals very happily they which sit is, side by side which is what I do exactly and, and so I have a I have a garden that is absolutely beautiful in winter and it's because it's got so many it's got all my grevilleas are out all my camellias are out mm. it's just gorgeous and it is that mix and if you if you're missing um some color in winter time Australian natives are the go-to I went to Bushland the other day, which is where Sue works, and they've got some beautiful new low grevilleas in pinks and reds that are just wonderful. And and they're in full flower, and they just look so fabulous at the moment. Mm. I was actually down at uh, um, um, Karanga Nursery. Oh, yes. <laughs> Uh, getting That's confused a great with Tawara. Yeah, yes. oh, it is. It, it is the ultimate uh, native uh, plant nursery in Australia. I'm, it I'm is, quite definitely. And, and uh, this was about two weeks ago. Valerie and I were popped in and we had a coffee and, and then had a stroll around the nursery, as we always do. And I must admit, I was rather jealous because we, we were still in the throes of winter two weeks ago and um, Karanga was just full of colour. Yes. Just magnificent. Stunning. Mm. Yeah. Definitely worth a visit if you've never been out there. Speaking of native plants, when I was in Europe, in when I was in Britain in July and – no, June and July, I kept – last year I went to Wandon Nursery – which is in Wandon, and it's a it's a great little retail nursery, and I, I pop in quite a lot because I think it's very good. And I picked up a tray of six little plants. I didn't know what they were, but I thought, oh, that looks interesting. It's called Isotoma, and it's a native, and it's it it's a it's just a little shrub, grows to halfway up your calf muscle. It is covered in little star-like blue flowers. Absolutely beautiful. I haven't seen it anywhere except in this Wandon nursery. Mm. I have suggested to Sue that she thinks about growing it, and in her nursery, or the work where she works at Bushland. 
But when I was in Europe, it was everywhere. Every fancy, fancy garden I went to, including the garden shows, they had this isotoma growing. Mm. They obviously have discovered it and think it's wonderful. Mm. And it's one of those classics, you know, an Australian plant that I don't know anyone except me who grows it. I found it at Wandon Nursery. Yep. And it was everywhere. Everywhere. When I went to the RHS gardens, it was there. It was just extraordinary. If if you are trying to phone into Liz, do be patient because um, she can only answer one call at a time. I noticed there are a couple of calls uh, there, but please do be patient. She will get to you. We should go to um, our next caller, and we have Sharon down in Cheltenham. Good morning, Sharon. Oh, good morning. Uh, look, um, I've got a question. Uh, I phoned you before about... The gardenia, prunia, this is my son's. I wouldn't plant one in a fit. But um, you said about pruning it in spring. Is that right? A gardenia? Yes. It's just that it's coming into flower now. And I... oh, yeah, well, you, you don't want to prune it before it flowers. No, that's what I thought. The, my general rule is if I don't know much about a plant... And I want to prune it. I prune it immediately after it flowering. I mean, sometimes that's not appropriate because plants flower on old wood, but not a lot of plants flower on old wood. Yes. And if you don't want to look it up, the the rule of thumb would be to plant straight after prune straight Mm. after flowering. Yep. Yeah. And I thought, well, but why would you prune your gardenia anyway? Well, it's that he's got two, and they're each side of the gate. One's a tiny one we planted, and the other one's an older one that's woody. So I wanted to try and um, <clears throat> get them more equalised in size. Right. I think that's a waste of time myself, but nevertheless. <laughs> yeah. can't, you can't expect nature to do order for you. But no. um, I would definitely prune it after it had flowered and I wouldn't prune, I don't know, I've never pruned a gardenia. I don't. It's very woody too. Yes, but it, whatever you do, I wouldn't prune into old wood. No, I wouldn't cut back into oh. I would only prune down to where I can see growth. <laughs> All right. So only tip prune it, That's basically. Mm. You can take it back as far as you can. If you can see there are a, there's leaf coming, you can prune it to that point, but don't go underneath that. That's what I thought, but someone said to me I'll prune it hard, and I thought, oh. Oh, well, let's, oh. let's ask our listeners. I mean, I, I honestly, I don't know because I have never pruned a gardenia. To me, what you're If I grow gardenias in, in several, then I think I'm extremely lucky to get them through. No, I personally would have thought that light, not heavy pruning. I, I get a feeling that if I prune into the really old wood, it'll just die off. I would have thought. But let's yeah. somebody will probably ring in and tell us if we're wrong. All right, that's good. But I'll... certainly wait till the flowers are finished. Yeah, that's what I thought. Because you want the scent. It's lovely. Oh, it's magnificent. Yeah. Mm. I've got this patch. Of, um, I've got a native garden, but I have got one patch where I've got... Um, purple daisy, a crimson geranium, an orange geranium and a hot pink all in one spot. Sounds just my sort of thing. <laughs> Sounds like it clashes shockingly. I think to myself, people will be thinking, that one's got no taste. <laughs> No, it sounds wonderful. There is one thing I can't stand, and that's a complete mix of colours of roses. I do think roses need to be segregated into different colour groups. Yes, I probably feel like that too, actually, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, it's uh, just they're all flowering at the moment. Excellent. Sounds wonderful. Thanks very much. Okay, thanks, Sharon. Bye. Now, something I should mention, um, Friends of Burnley Gardens 
um, have got a very special celebration coming up because they've actually been uh, now running for 20 years, which is which is fantastic. And they've in the in those 20 years they've raised a lot of money through very for projects around the gardens. Um, just doing wonderful, wonderful things. So um, they were obviously they're having a bit of a celebration, and uh, that celebration is going to be a talk. Um, guest speaker is going to be Dr. Greg Moore, and of course, uh, Greg uh, is patron of Burnley Gardens. Uh, so he's going to be speaking about emerging technology that can be used to great gardening advantage. The title of his talk is Drones, the Busy Bees for Arborists and Gardeners. Uh, <coughs> now, this is all taking place Saturday, the 7th of October, down at Burnley Campus uh, at 500 Yarra Boulevard in Richmond. Now, uh, starting time is 5.30 for drinks and nibbles, then 7 o'clock for the talk. Now, the cost is free for members of the Friends Group, $15 for visitors, uh, bookings are essential. You can go to friends.burnley at gmail.com or you can telephone 9035-6815. That's 9035-6815. So that's taking place Saturday the 7th of October, 5.30, uh, then running through till after the talk. But... Uh, a big congratulations there to the Friends Group for a wonderful achievement. Uh, okay, as I mentioned, uh, you're listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. We're running through until 9.15, so you do have plenty of time if you want to uh, jump on board and ask a gardening question. That number is 94190155. That's 94190155. Virginia, you've got another plant there to chat about. Well... This one I found at Tessilars. It's a Veronicastrum, and Veronicastrum is another one of those plants that you see growing all over the place in Britain. It's, it isn't a big plant, but it has a very, very long spike of blue flowers, which is really beautiful. And the most common one you see around is Veronicastrum virginicum. And anything that's called Virginia has to be good, doesn't it? Well, you had to have it in your garden, didn't you? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, generally, that's white uh, or blush pink, and, and we've been growing it now for several years, and uh, they are magnificent for giving a vertical accent in a garden. Absolutely. And the, the, the only trick with them, I find them quite easy to grow, although uh, initially I, it, it, it was not really performing our first plant and we moved it a couple of times thinking well it'd be happier in another spot no, and that, after about four years we realised we had four clumps <laughs> because they grow from root cuttings ah. so every time we moved it we were actually propagating it yes, and right. uh, eventually we ended up with four magnificent clumps so happy in just about any <laughs> position <laughs> Don't move and, them anymore yeah. <laughs> um, So that's the trick, a little bit of uh, patience uh, for the first year or two. That's is, what Craig said to me that they take quite a long time to settle mm. in, yep. But I, I have always known them because you, you know, you see them in those it, Sissinghurst, those sort of places that you get lots of Veronicastrum growing, and they come from America. The Virginia, I suppose, the Virginia they must grow Virginia, in Virginia, yes. but they they grow sort of in from sort of Maine down through to Florida, and it just must be fabulous when you see them in the wild there. I think. And they call it Culver's Root in America. I don't know why or who Culver was. 
Oh. No idea, no. yes. But, uh, I mean, yeah. the Veronica, the Veronicastrum comes from St. Virginia, who was meant to have um, fed water to Jesus when he was carrying his cross. Okay. There's a piece of totally useless information <laughs> that I just have stored away for no idea why, just hoping one day I'll be in one of those competitions and well, <laughs> somebody uh, asks me. Well, certainly, Virginica, uh, it comes up uh, uh, something over a metre high for us. But yes. it's quite narrow. Yes. So it doesn't use a – it's got a small footprint, but it's, it's uh, but it's a vertical accent. And with these very, very elegant sparks of flower, midsummer. Yes, Mid, yeah, and, so, and and still flowering late summer, which is yeah. another thing that is also mm. wonderful. Oh, so it's this a, one I've picked up at Tesla's is actually Sibiricum. So one assumes it comes from Siberia. I didn't think to look it up. I should have. But um, I'm quite excited about getting this going. I haven't got the Virginica. Yes, I, so, I need that. I have to have it because of my name, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, Siberica, I've, I've, I've seen photographs of. We, we have it uh, in a pot and we're building it up, but I haven't seen a flower yet. But what a mauve blue flower, I yes, understand. Yes, it's yeah. meant to be blue. And most of the ones I've seen in Britain have been blue, uh-huh. most of them. But, every, you know, Beth Chateau... All those gardens, they yes, all have Yes, it's, it's a, very much right in the middle of the new wave, the perennial movement of, well, of, of Bronicastrums. Of, of course, Pieter Aldolf. Yeah, uh, he, yeah, so he one uses of his it a lot plants. against grasses. You know, he mm. uses it a lot. So that is no doubt okay. part of why it's become so popular. Yep. All right. We have our very good friend, uh, Diana Sargent, online. Good morning, Diana. Good morning, Pam. Good morning to you all. Um, I'm ringing because I have a very unsightly uh, large hedge of golden diosma on my driveway. It's about um, 60 centimetres tall, 60 centimetres wide, and it circles a beautiful fountain. But it's dead. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) When I moved into my place, Diana, the only plant in my very, very, very long border on my very, very long house was golden diosma. And the first thing I did was I went in and I pulled the whole bloody lot out. Did you? I hate it. Yeah. Yes. It's, um, however, it's in a very prominent location. And I was wondering if I did, in fact, chop it down to about six inches, would it recover or will it die anyway? I'm not sure. I've never tried to make it recover. Okay. It makes me murderous. <laughs> <laughs> I would. Okay. I wouldn't have thought it would, but it might. You've got. To, I, what I would do if you wanted to recover, which is a questionable objective, is cut it down and at the same time start preparing yourself for what you might replace it with. Okay. So, no, so then what, I what, think what? I'll get the backhoe in and I'll just uh, rip it out. Um, it's. It looks so dreadful. And, so so um, what, what height do you need the hedge? Um, well, I'll replant it. I'll probably do, obviously, I'll do a rose hedge and <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll put, I'll put a, a hedge of roses back in there. That sounds much um, nicer. Prepare I- the soil and, uh, yeah, just because I'll need to recover that soil for something chronic, I think. Why, um, um, be- how old is it, do you think? Well, we've been here eighteen years, and it was here well and truly before we got. So here. it might it That's might just ancient. It might be dying of old age. And would that be possible? Is that in fact possible then? I would have thought so. 
Okay. I don't know, but I mean, when well, you, there are plenty of other plants that would not last longer than 15 or 18 years. Okie doke. Well, so it, it might have done its time. It could just be old age, yeah. Okay, okay. That's and I think, I think you should be pleased. <laughs> she doesn't want all I'll the be, work. I'll, I'll be pleased when, when the rose hedge is up and flowering. The rose of course hedge I will be. be beautiful. It's, um, yeah, it's just that it's, uh, it, it has been very prominent and it's, it's, it's quite stunning. What mm. it, it, it's, it's been a good thing to have there on yep. the driveway where, you know, it's rather, it's, it's raised because the driveway obviously is drained accordingly. Uh, so this area, if I, when I plant a rose hedge in there, I'm definitely going to have to irrigate it because right. it, it will just, get nothing other than rain. I've yeah. just had a message from Sue. Yep. It won't. I tried to prune mine years ago, had to get rid okay. of them. There you go. There you go. So I think... Good. So Sue, Sue obviously had I'm so them. glad. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad I called you. It's, um, you know, it's been a few weeks coming and I nearly asked... You know, I was meaning to ask Graham, talk to them about this hedge. Um, but it's just gone backwards from when Gray was there a couple of weeks ago. It's okay. gone backwards from there again. And I'm like, no, nah, I think... And it's interesting if all of it's gone. So either it's got Definitely. a disease or it's just all... No, definitely it all gone. It has to gone. be age, yeah, and, uh, from the sound yeah. of it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. I As thought it was the frost. I seriously thought it was that it just uh, potentially I might have pruned it a little bit uh, late. Then it got frost on it and frost and frost and frost. And, mm. I mean, it's been mean mm. here this year. Yes, and, I've heard. Uh, yeah, very, very mean. So that was my thought was frost has damaged it. Uh, can I recover it? But it seems, I think, looking at it, uh, it is. It's age, and it's age-weary, and it's done its time. Mm. Yep. Well, it's given you a lot of pleasure in the meantime, Diana. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, it, uh, yeah, the space is just begging and for roses. Exactly. So as as it's Stephen beautiful. always says, it's, it's, it's a, an opportunity. Definitely. Yep. It, it is a Definitely. South African plant, so that might, I mean, it might be frost-tolerant. I mean, intolerant. Intolerant, mm. yeah. 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 Because it has been an amazingly cold year. Well, roses well, we, are definitely yeah. frost tolerant, so there's another bonus for planting yeah. a rose hedge. <laughs> oh, always, always. Yeah. <laughs> All right, girls, thank you so much. Okay. I really appreciate that. Good we'll on see you. you soon. Good Bye on now. You. Bye. Bye. And uh, we're going next to Melinda, who's in Burwood. Good morning, Melinda. Oh, good morning, everybody. Hi, I've got a uh, Hoya in a hanging pot. And the last three years, there's been a blue bell that's popped up each year right in the middle of it. But this year, there's a really big clump. And I think I really need to take it out because it's almost taken over the pot. The Hoya's looking a little bit seedy. It's light sort of... The leaves are sort of going a little bit yellow. So I'd say it's taking a lot of the nutrition out of the soil. Yep. Um, and it's hanging beautifully under a tree. And the Hoya flowers gourd, you know, beautifully when it is in flower. So what can I do? What's the best way to tackle this? I'm a bit worried about the Hoya more than anything. The bluebell obviously went there with a bird or something. I'm not sure how it got there. I don't have bluebells in the garden. Lucky you. You now do. <laughs> or you now will. <laughs> I mean, a Hoya doesn't like its roots disturbed, no, does no, it? No, that's not what worries me, yeah. I think I'd just very, very gently try and em- empty it out so mm. that you can s- see that you're getting the bluebell and its roots. Is it a bulb? Yes. Right. 
and then very, repot it back into the and same. then put it back into the same place with maybe but a little bit of extra soil. I'll in need the bottom. extra soil because it's, it's when I look at the hoyer, it, it's very long and it's quite. It's been in this pot probably ten years, and it's the one I bought it in from a man that was selling them. Uh, Owen Camberwell, he often sort of has his open garden and, and sells plants. But <clears throat> So it's just the common Hoya, the round sort of pinky Lovely. one. Mm. Yeah, and it's absolutely beautiful when it's in flower, but I'm just a bit worried about, you know, I just neglect it. I don't even I But that's, that's what Hoyas it. thrive on. Yeah. They really like neglect. Yep. Well, I, I, think, I think put a bit of new soil in, mm. or potting mix, I should say, um, I wonder how many bulbs are in there because there's... Well, they will, they do multiply. So that's, yeah. I think, why you're going to have to tip it out so oh, you can yes. actually see yeah. so that you're I, getting them all. Yeah, because it started with one and then it came with two and yes. then there's just a, it's almost filling the pot. So yeah. what sort of potting soil should I use? Just a good just potting a, Just a good quality potting mix. So one advantage of having uh, uh, this sort of situation is that... Uh, uh, a plant that you have to weed, which doesn't like soil disturbances, mm. that you, I mean, really, when you think about it, it's, it's you, when you disturb the, um, the soil, generally you're snapping roots everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, you can tip it out of the pot, as Virginia was saying, and, and very gently tease the uh, bluebell out, or mm. the bluebells, the clump, um, and... and um, uh, well, a little bit of fresh potting mix. I, uh, I'm wondering a little bit whether a slightly bigger pot and uh, um, uh, it wants its roots to it the likes edge. to yeah. be crowded. Yeah. Yes, but yeah. yes, yeah, it's so pretty you... crowded. My, what worries me is how entwined the roots are with the bulb, and if this is going to happen every year, you've got to get the bulbs. You've got to out. get the bulbs yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I think I think probably Jeremy's right because you won't repot it for another ten years. So put it into a slightly bigger pot, but not okay. much bigger. But not yes, exactly. Yeah, just sort of one one little size up. If yes. this was an unusual pot, I don't know where he got it from, so I'd have to hunt around. Cause oh I'd... well, just put it back in the same and give if it in some doubt, new soil. Put it in the same pot. Yeah, it hang. It hangs beautifully in this is in pot under a tree, and it sounds gorgeous. It's really good. There's sort of I don't know if there's much drainage in it, but it just does beautifully, and I think it gets bird poo, and that seems to feed it. I don't feed it. I don't water it. I think mm. I do on the really hot days occasionally in summer. Just and when would I do this? Now. Now. Yep. While it's in flower. Well, now because that way you can see where the bulbs are. And yep. it, yeah, and it's um, it, it's never going to be the right time. No. But it, it has to be harder to do it if it's really hot. Yes, I think I'd probably prefer to do it before summer. Yeah. The other thing too, um, would I replant those bluebells or t- somewhere else or throw them out? Are they a weed? Oh, I'd put them in my garden. They're a weed, but I love them. Maybe I'll put them in a pot. I'd put them in a container and, and that way they, they can't just They're wander contained. everywhere. Yeah. But where, where do you live? In Burwood. I don't think there's a fear of bluebells. Yeah, but if they've already Burwood. if they've already multiplied that much, <laughs> it'll in, be in the, the Spanish. It'll be the Spanish one, but yeah, yeah. I'm but, presuming it is a bluebell. It looks like one. I've googled, and that's what it looks like. It's got sort of thicker, strappy leaves than yes. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a rosette of leaves, slightly um, almost succulently. But uh, yeah, uh, we we have I love hundreds them. of thousands of them. Uh, we eliminated bluebells from. Um, about two thirds of the garden, but the rest of them we just enjoy. Oh, they're lovely! But, yes, so, they, so wanted... but we leave them in in a rough part of the garden. I yeah. I would put them in the garden. Me, yeah. okay. I, I like them. And just one other, I've got an Indian rope hoya under that same tree in a different pot, 
and that was about a two-inch piece that died off and I've resurrected it. Now it's, it's doing really well, totally neglected. The pot is a bit, it's too big for that, but it was the only hanging one I could find that would sort of sit there happily. When would that flower, I mean, it's been there, I would think probably, it's a 17-year-old plant. Wow. Um, it's never flowered, but it's only just starting to grow now. It's taken, it's had a bit of a battering. It was really neglected as in like it was two inches long. And now it's it's flowing out out of the pot. I wonder when that would flower. It's never had one. It's probably waiting till it's really crowded the pot up. Ah, uh, okay. So same thing. I'm not going to touch that one. I'm just going to let it do its thing. And, yeah. you know, it might take a few years, but I thought I'll just leave it because the pot's perfect under that tree. Sounds gorgeous. Yeah, and I just didn't want to sort of fiddle. It's an ace in the gundo flamingo tree. Oh, lovely. Really I love gorgeous. those trees, yes. Mm, Absolutely got, wonderful. And Clivey's around the base, which have really, really done beautifully under there. So it's just in sort of the back left corner and looks really good. But, yeah, just the worry of this Hoya. Should I give it any food or just a sea sole after I disturb its roots or just leave it completely? The sea sole food? No, sea sole, yes. You're going to give it food by giving it some new soil. Yeah, that's what I thought. I don't want to overfeed it no, or anything. No. And I'd, well, I'd, I'd just give it a bit of sea sole because that's just a tonic. And, just and that'll water help it. settle the roots. Yeah. Yeah. And just give it a good water. Yes, All right. The reason you have to water it after you've put it in, and this is when I'd add the sea sole, is you've got to get any air pockets out of because you've disturbed it. You don't ah. want air pockets around the roots because okay. they'll die in an air pocket. Yes, yeah, I'm root... say there's not much soil in that pot now with the bluebells, you know, doing yes. their thing. Well, the see, this mm. is why putting a bit of new potting mix in will be plenty of food for it. Mm, okay, lovely. And should I cover those roots over with the soil or just leave it sort of fairly bare like it is now? Well, it's you know, been successful sort of... like it is, so yeah. I'd go for the same thing that you've that it's been doing terrific lovely great advice i love the show okay <laughs> thank you thanks very much bye. bye right next up we have debbie out in north croydon good morning debbie good morning how are you we're well thank you good look just just a question on mulching um i um uh have a uh, transplanted a, a waratah yesterday i've got um, mainly natives in my garden and we mulched it a couple of years ago with yucca mulch and the waratah that I transplanted yesterday um, was looking a bit sick and when I dug it up, it looks as though, and I'm thinking this is the reason, that the, the roots are actually growing into the mulch and I was just wondering whether I'll put the mulch on too thick or whether it's the wrong type of mulch or if someone can sort of shed some light on that. I think it's odd that it's growing into the mulch. Maybe you hadn't planted it deeply enough. Well, the, the plants were all planted um, before the mulch went on. So, um, yeah, it's, the yucca mulch, I, I put it on quite thick and whether it's, you know, sort of, um, I don't know, it's drawing the roots up into it. I, how, how thick uh, did you... Oh, look, <clears throat> probably um, in the old language, probably between four and six inches. Oh, that's mm. too thick, I too think. Thick. One yeah. of the reasons I think it's too thick is in when the water does come in summer, it's going to be damn hard for it's it to get through. It's not going to get through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, ma- yeah, maybe four inches. But um, So do you think I need to take sort of some of the, um, you know, uh, some of the mulch off the, um, I would the treat the mulch as if it was soil and I would just... Have you replanted it? I've replanted it in another part of the garden, yes. And you've left the mulch that's... I've left the mulch... Well, it's actually, I've actually got the hole where I, 
I took the plant out. I, I just don't know whether to replant something else there or whether it's going to happen to um, to all the plants. Well, I I would for temporarily put fill it up with compost and the yep. soil around it and the mulch. Just mix it all up. So yes. fill the hole yeah. and let it rest for a little while. Yeah. And so, then, and if you put if you put compost in it, have you, do you compost in your yes, garden? Yeah. Yes. Well, if you put if you just mix it up with the soil that's around, dig that through right. with a fork rather yes. than a spade because yes. you don't want to be cutting worms in half. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And and then just let it rest for a while, and then yeah. put something else in it, but not a, not a waratah. No, that's right. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I'm just concerned that you know the other plants that I planted at the same time. It was like a a new garden bed a couple of years ago and um, I'm just concerned that, um, you know, it's going to happen with the other plants, that the roots, have, you know, made their way up into the mulch. So... Well, the roots are probably happy in the mulch. Okay, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't worry about it. Right. I'd be okay. more concerned about um, rain getting through True. over yes. this summer. Mm. Yeah. So if yeah. you do have the opportunity to maybe take a little bit of that off... Yes. Is, and... it, is it beginning to break down? Yes, it is, but it's it's a fairly dry. Uh, well, sorry, it's a fairly. Um, it, it's the bottom of the garden, so it's a, a fairly damp sort of garden. So I'm not worried if the rain doesn't get through because it's a. It gets it anyway. It gets it anyway. Okay. Yeah, but I was just concerned that, um, and there's another plant that's sort of looking a, a, a bit, you know. Um, yeah, a bit sick too, and I thought, well, I hope that's not going to happen to all the rest of them. I wouldn't expect it to. No, okay. And right. and as that mulch breaks down, it's yes. going to turn. I mean, I've got some. I've got a big um, bin of of um, yuki mulch. Right. And there's just been a little bit that's been left in the bottom of it after I've put it all around it. And I went down there and dug some of it, and it's just beautiful. It's yeah, just it rotted is. off. Oh you know? yeah, look at it. So it's I think it'll be busy mulch. turning into soil. Yeah. Okay. Should I turn the mulch though? Should I dig it up a no. bit? You know, no, no I leave wouldn't. it. No, and the other thing too is make sure when you put that thicker mulch on, remember that often a trunk doesn't want mulch right up against it. No, because no. you can cause collar rot. Yeah, I mean I don't know how that fits with. I remember when Angus started planting everything, he would put any double tree depth. in, yeah, in double depths. I don't yeah. know how that fits with that. Yeah, yeah but but right. I do know that you can cause collar rot. Yes. Yeah, if you, yeah, if no, you look, I've, I've up made against sure the I trunk. haven't sort yeah. of, um, yeah. yeah, haven't put it right up against the trunk. So, but uh, anyway, look, I'll yeah, I'll just um, keep my eye on the other plants and um, and always give things a bit of seaweed if you think they're looking yes. a bit sad. Yeah, yeah, okay. But terrific. don't feed them. Never feed a sick plant. No. Okay. Right. Okay. Yes. Good. Thank you very much. Okay. Good okay. luck with that. Bye bye. That number, if you'd like to join us, we're running through for another 15 minutes, 94190155. That's 94190155. Any new projects in the garden at the moment? Lots of new projects. Lots? <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, we've had little projects uh, all through the winter. Uh, we said about resurfacing all our paths, we're about half, two-thirds of the way through. Um, so the... Um, uh, fixing up um, uh, the old um, earth paths, the uh, toppings paths. Um, also trying out a little drainage system on one or two of the steep paths, which had a tendency to wash out whenever okay. we had a rain. And uh, 
um, an idea we I thought I picked up from Great Dicks to remember seeing um, interesting little brick uh, affairs running out into the meadow. And I was presuming that had something to do with drainage, mm. draining water away from the borders. Right. And so we put these rather elaborate drains in uh, on our paths, uh, uh, partly inspired by Great Dexter, and then I was reading, in fact, they were wheelbarrow paths. <laughs> <laughs> so much for that theory, but anyway. Uh, but uh, we've had one or two bursts of rain, and our, our uh, drains have worked, so that, that's good. good. I drove up to Seville the other day from Melbourne, and the rain was so heavy I was down to 40k. I could not see. Right. I think we're thing. out here with umbrellas checking our drains on yeah. that occasion. <laughs> and my driveway just washed down the hill. Yeah. yeah. It was unbelievable. And those, that sort of rain is just so difficult to deal yeah. with. And on a slope, yes. Yeah. So it's something we have to think about all the time. Of the, course. Uh, one part of the garden accumulates water and then dumps it into the next part and, and, and lots of damage when you think cubic. Many, many cubic metres of water moving in a feral clip. Oh, yes. uh, the the uh, damage it can do is incredible. Um, something else we've done is to pull up the um, path in the warm borders and we've laid down old brick. Okay. And as soon as I did, I thought, crikey, we should have done this 25 years ago. Yeah. It looks so much better and it just leaves the next borders now. Uh, that's, um, that's a slightly bigger project for next winter. But... Um, so um, people coming along will hopefully appreciate that. I mean, the beauty of, of uh, what we're doing there is there's summer borders, of course, and, and it, uh, so for six months of the year in the winter, there's not much to see at all. It's just the architecture, and the architecture is just so, so vital. Mm. I, thought and, the arch- and, I walked through the other day, and I thought that they, the naked trees just yeah. looked fabulous. Yeah, we well, we're using uh, smoke bushes, circus, uh, canadensis, forest pansy, um, cladizias, um one or two buddies which we simply chop back really hard. But all the others are pollarded, really, mm. and and so you get a very very architectural look with the circus, for instance. Do you do great- the circus every year? Well, we technically we we, pol- we don't quite pollard right back to the previous um, cut. We leave two or three buds, um, but we do. Yes, we cut them every year, and um, well, they're, they're what coming up twenty five years old, and they're still quite strong. Um, and but. Uh, friend of mine, uh, background in fine art, said the secret to life is, are the edges. Get the edges right. <laughs> See, the other thing I loved in the garden were the helmet's pillars. I thought they looked really yeah, yeah. fabulous too. So the Well, we've got the copper beach hedge on one side and then a stone wall on the other with the box on top of that. Um, and then the path. The path becomes critical for those seven, eight months of the year when the flowers are not actually flowering. And then we have the flowers flowering for about Four months. Now, four months is pretty darn good. I don't mm. think you should ask any more of a garden than four months of flower. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for most, you know, most gardens, it's it's four weeks, three weeks, <laughs> That's two right. weeks. Yep. Um, so we do have a long period of flowering, but because there's so much bare space during the winter, especially, then getting the paths right, getting the edge to the paths right, is becomes more and more important. Mm, but I think also that structure within the gardens of the yeah. bigger things, I think that is in, I mean, you know, the helmet pillar, helmet's pillars, the, which is a Berberus, 
just yes. looked fabulous, I yep. thought. You know, very upright, very... Something else we tried in the autumn, which I don't know whether you approve of, Virginia, is the uh, we, we have sprinklers. Now, we most of the gardeners never watered, but we do water these borders occasionally, just occasionally, and we, we use micro-sprinklers set up very high. So we have um, risers going up two metres high to get up yes, above the to. plants mm. because they flower two metres high. Yeah. It's all very dramatic in summer. Um, so these risers are rather dramatic too. So how do you ho- hide uh, sprinklers sitting up two metres? Well, we put ornamental baubles on them <laughs> and made them, made them, tried to make them look like something else altogether. And, and, <laughs> and, and I have talked to one or two visitors and they look at them and think, oh, they're very interesting. I'm not too sure what they are. <laughs> <laughs> if you look closely, there's a little plastic sprinkler sitting right on top, but they're about the size of a... What a, 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 a mango, perhaps made okay. by Ted Seckham. So they're actually porcelain, crystalline glazed porcelain pieces. These things, right. they're all different colours as well. So it's quite dramatic when there's no flowers. Right. When the, when the flowers are out, well, you, you they, they, they kind disappear. of disappear. Yes. <laughs> so so all this sort of thing is worthwhile thinking about. Absolutely. Um, finally, we've just put a we've put one little hothouse into the corner of the veggie garden. We're just putting up another one courtesy of a um, gentleman in New Zealand who's setting up a business doing these online and wanted a couple of display hothouses. So that's that means that we have to really get stuck in and do something about our veggies and get it up to scratch. And I thought Valerie's hot, hot, yes, hothouse well, was beautiful. Yes, well, it's very much Valerie's affair, so I, 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 I'm just sort of standing well aside on this one. <laughs> but I don't, I don't understand how you can have one in our climate that isn't properly shaded over summer. Yes. Um, I, can't, I just don't understand how you could possibly have... Yeah, it's ma- mainly coming for the uh, spring either, period. You either and, empty it in summer. Yeah, exactly. And we, we will drop it right back to just a few things that, uh, that don't mind. The other Succulents, thing... desert plants that don't mind those conditions. And uh, But we can use it in the spring to force yes, on absolutely. so many plants. The tomatoes, for instance, that we struggle with because... Uh, by the time it's safe to get them into the ground, they've barely, barely got enough weeks left to yes. produce their tomatoes. Yes. When I was in Iceland some years ago, I went into these extraordinary hothouses, which had actually had quite thin glass, even though they were in Iceland, because for that reason, because um, they were for, to grow tomatoes, basically yeah. for the whole of Iceland. And that, so they were very, very big. They had a very thin glass because they wanted – they benefit from the very very long day so yeah. although they don't have enough time the fact that they've got it doesn't get dark till midnight really helps them push them along and of course they've got free electricity so they apparently this hothouse used enough electricity to keep a city of 200,000 people going wow good heavens this, this is gigantic project on um, on uh, Spencer's Gulf in in uh, south yes, australia I've heard and, about and, that. and and a colossal solar farm which desalinates masses of seawater and which is fed straight into a tomato farm all under glass. Yes. And it just sounds bizarre. It's well, a again, lot to set up. But once it's set up, it's absolutely sustainable. I just, again, it, I don't understand the heat problem. I understood in Iceland because the sun's so weak, but Spencer Gulf. Yeah. It must warm. get so damn hot. Yeah. Uh, well, there, there are. There, uh, they, there are systems of uh, shading some uh, uh, hothouses as well. So it's a case of regulating everything 
So it's oh, it's just one, one of way those, to go. One of those wonderful um, uh, garden places I went in England, they had all these greenhouses that were frameless. It was just glass on glass. So they were absolutely beautiful and people were using them to sit in rather than mm-hmm. to grow in. I, look, you can – hothouses are always fun. I, I think the most amazing hothouse I've ever seen in my life, and this was uh, – uh, just along the street from where Valerie's family live in Kent in England and um, her auntie and uncle actually uh, her auntie uh, her domain was the front garden uh, but uncle had the back garden and I walked in there one summer the first time I was visiting and I've never seen so many fuchsias in my life he literally had thousands of fuchsias in the ground in pots hanging off walls Every square inch of the back garden was had a fuchsia, and every one of them was growing beautifully. And he had three or four thousand different varieties. Gosh, it's oh only God. in England would you see such a thing. Yes, and the amount of work involved was just mind-boggling. When you think that fuchsias will not survive outdoors in the winter, mm. so at the end of every autumn, he was taking cuttings from every single fuchsia and putting them into his hot house. Yes. And the hot house was minuscule. It was. It was uh, you could barely stand up in it, and it was only about uh, four or five feet long. And and uh, and the entire garden was moved into this minuscule hot house for six months of the year, and then in the spring went it was well, after went, went out again. again. Back yeah. into the, Gosh, <laughs> it was just phenomenal. Gosh, he needs an orangery with <laughs> with all his fuchsias in pots and wheel them all inside. And we yeah. yes, so no, no, it's uh, they're great fun. Oh, wow, how amazing. Virginia, now, we haven't talked about this last plant. Oh, you go first. Well, well just one thing I wanted to mention just sure. while I was chatting. Um, uh, for anyone who knows Yamina Collector's Nursery, Don Tisa's Nursery, it's a very sad story, but it's closing down. And it's been closing down for several weeks now. And it's uh, and it, there will be nothing much left of it over the next two or three weeks. But I popped in on Friday, and and um, it's been pulled back to about one quarter size, right. uh, one quarter of what there was say six months ago. And, and there's still heaps of plants there. So for anyone interested in rare trees and shrubs and all those magnificent plants that Don Teese has been propagating and his dad Arnold before him. Um, over what last forty five years, I think. Well, this is your last chance. Mm. So, Yamina Collectors Nursery. It's on uh, Mount Pleasant Road in Monbulk, and uh, you really have to be pretty quick. But, but I walked around on Friday, and there were still lots of really, really interesting things there. And uh, so, Sal- last chance. <laughs> Salvia, Meg, and I went up. Oh, ten days ago, and we had such fun. Mm. <laughs> My car, we went up in my car, it came back absolutely jam-packed. And I kept looking at the Sursa film and I really wanted it and I thought, no, no, it's not going to grow on my hill, it's too dry, just leave it alone. (laughs) Don't be silly. I was looking at it again on Friday. (laughs) I just think it's such a wonderful tree. Yes, you you need a slightly... uh, well, It'd you know, you be need all right a, at your you place, need, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, it would uh, in amongst uh, other trees. Mm. Yeah, so. I'm just, I'm, you know, like when I moved into my place, I didn't have any shade. You know, I'm getting there now because I've planted heaps of trees, but I just, there are some things like a calmere is another one. The calmere at your yeah. place is absolutely yeah. spectacular. I can't grow a calmere. 
No, you mean it's, it's very sad it's closing down, although I do, uh, well, Peter Sexton, going back to his garden in, in Warburton, he has the complete collection there. So, uh, and he's <laughs> so, also, so they will, so they, these plants will be available, but not Pete, so easily. Pete, he's going to start a nursery as yeah, well, so that should so, help. Yeah, so they'll take a while, so it's, it, it'll take a few years before things get going again, I suspect. And, of course, um, Don's brother is still running yeah, his Peter, bit of Yamina. Yeah, Peter uh, Tease is still operating. But um, the Teasers had the connection with the Hilliers Nursery in England, which is the the ultimate uh, shrub and tree nursery in the world. And uh, Arnold um, Teese was a great mate of Harold Hillier, I think it was, uh, back uh, 30, 40 years ago. Okay. So that that's where a lot of this material came from. Yes. But uh, all but all around the world, really. So I mean, just just hope it sort of stays available. I think I think if people are in the area, it is worth popping into Don's to see because they're virtually everything he's got is extraordinary. Yep. you'll still find really yeah, and worthwhile you'll still things. Then still plants there. It's all neat and tidy, but by the end of October, it'll be gone. Mm. Mm, goodness mm. me. Um, Jeremy, we've just got time. Um, let's mention uh, the Secret Gardens Tours again, yeah, please. Yeah, well, Secret uh, Gardens Tours, uh, they're on uh, in October on the um, uh, the uh, racing to check the dates, uh, the um, October the 13th. 12th, 13th, uh, the 14th. 12th, yeah, 12th, 13th, 14th and the 20th uh, and the 21st. Um, and uh, but the tickets, uh, one or two of the tours, are pretty well sold out, and there's not too many tickets left for any of the tours. So you again, you have to be pretty quick. But um, that'll be great fun coming up in in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, I might just mention that diggers are doing their festival at um, Cloud Hill on the uh, on one of those weekends as well. On oh, the, okay. On the, uh, Fourteenth um, and fifteenth, and that uh, that weekend in mid October, and so lots of free workshops and all sorts of people um, um, chatting and, and a, a great chance to sort of meet the the entire team uh, as they um, corner them in the nursery uh, as you walk around, and of course the garden is is just coming into its own right at the moment, and by mid October it'll be spectacular. Um, just remind listeners of the address and opening hours of Cloud Hill. Well, Cloud Hill opens seven days, nine to five, and we're on the Alinda Monbolk Road, just up the road from uh, Gentiana, so uh, a nice part of the world for uh, doing a bit of a oh, plant hunting crawl. Definitely a full day's outing, <laughs> yep. yes, for sure. And if you do want to try and uh, grab some tickets to the Secret Gardens tours, Jump online uh, and go to Secret Gardens of the Dandenong Ranges, all one word, dot com dot au because um, it really is a, a fabulous experience. You'll meet some wonderful gardens, you'll s- gardeners, you'll see some fantastic gardens, and uh, definitely. And now I think about it, Tesla's are extended their tulip festival through to that same weekend. Yes. The, 14th, 15th, I think it is. Um, so the tulips are just kicking off right now. Yep. Uh, and they should be fabulous over the next few weeks. And uh, the Rhododendron Gardens, National Rhododendron Gardens. Yes, it would be wonderful at the moment. Absolutely at their peak right now for the next eight, ten weeks. So it's all happening in the Dandenongs. Yep. Yep, definitely have to pay a visit. Sounds good. It does, doesn't it? 
We have run out of time for yet another week, would you believe? Um, A big thank you to all our listeners um, and especially a big thank you to both Jeremy and Virginia who've been handling all the on-air inquiries um, and having a good chat to us this morning. Huge thank you to Liz who's been handling all the phones again this morning. We will, of course, be back again uh, next week uh, at the same time, 7.30, running through until 9.15. You have been listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. We uh, would love to have your company again next Sunday morning. But until then, bye for now. 